Nintendo. Nintendo Voice Chat for the week of May 5th, 2016. I'm your host, Jose Otero, and this is IGN's Nintendo Show. Joining me once again is Per Schneider. What's up, Jose? And Andrew Goldfarb. Happy Cinco de Mayo. And that's not a holiday <laughs> on this program because that's not real. But what oh, is man. real is feedback. Uh, a couple is real. things. A lot of things are real. First of all, if you want to support MVC, head on over to our YouTube channel. I, uh, what is it? YouTube.com slash Nintendo, Nintendo Voice Chat. Chat. One word, no spaces, no underscores. And you can check out videos. We actually put up uh, some Let's Plays this week. We have more coming. We're going to talk about a couple of games today. Um, and also, you can support us by leaving us a review like uh, Janie, uh, that's a lot of zeros, five. <laughs> There's like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, uh, maybe seven zeros on this, um, who said on iTunes, great show. I listen to Valley every week. I use, my, uh, I use it as my main and basically only source to acquire all Nintendo news. I love hearing all the boys. She called us boys. Yeah. Uh, and occasionally <laughs> girls. And occasionally girls. Uh, uh, sorry. They perfectly show they care and there's appreciation for the listeners and give the show a personal side, making listeners feel as if they know them. Great personalities. Thank you so much, uh, Janie. We really appreciate that. Janie with a lot of zeros and a five. Thank you for checking out Nintendo yeah. Boys Chat. Thank and you for all those zeros. It's a zero for, for every year they like the show. And this week, the E3 2016 nightmare continues. This morning... Uh, a release from Nintendo announcing that this year at 9 a.m. Pacific time on Tuesday, June 14th, which would be the day that we will watch the video or the conference or whatever, Nintendo's going to kick off the show. Well, Nintendo of America president and COO Reggie Fizeme is going to kick off the show by introducing Nintendo Treehouse Live, yep. which will be dedicated to a day of live streamed gameplay. Of the Legend of Zelda, what like like just when you thought this couldn't get any worse, it continues. It's just cascading. All right, but let's week. Let's let's be clear. It is not a nightmare to be shown a new Zelda game. I want to make that clear. It is a however, nightmare for it to be the only game. However, that is the that problem. Is, that right? is a half nightmare. To okay, be. I didn't expect that, and and also because. The part of the joy of the Legend of Zelda is discovering the game world, yes. and like a day long live stream sounds really scary to me. Unless they've got like this E three demo with three sections, right, where they have like the boss battle, the open field. Well, let's uh, not play thing. around. That's what and it'll then, be. It's going to be multiple sections yeah. of the demo that they're going to play through. And None of it will be the beginning, pr- presumably. Like Nintendo wouldn't spoil something. Like hopefully, that. so I'm. I'm, I'm In hopeful. the past, they haven't. I'm faithful that they. Which won't. means then it'll be kind of like they'll play a section, and they'll they'll bring on Miyamoto or Aonuma and they'll go through it again, right? And so there'll be repetition of footage, which that's fine. See, that's but the thing if I it's a whole wait, day whoa. giving away a ton of stuff, I'd be very, very Hang sad. on. So I'm I don't think I don't think they are repeating whatever these demos are. I think so typically that's been the case with Treehouse Live. If you've yeah. watched Treehouse Live in the mm-hmm. past, and Andrew, I'm gonna turn it over to you. Oh no, no, no I'm sorry. Fine. But if you've watched Treehouse Live I mean in the past, platform. you know that these demos do repeat. Uh, last year, for example, Treehouse Live was the only place you could see the real Metroid Prime Federation Force. Mm-hmm. That demo that they played on there, the, the not Blast Ball demo, the only place you could watch it was Treehouse Live. Yeah. Uh, Tokyo Mirage Sessions, when it had a different name, you saw that on Treehouse Live. Sharp but those things, Yeah, it was called Sharp Fee at the time. And you saw demos for Mario Maker, you saw demos for Star Fox, etc. But you're right, they did repeat. I don't think this sounds like it would repeat. I think this is going to be a day-long thing. They're just going to run with it, but I mean, I they're not going to show too much. It also could be a kind of a combination of what you guys are saying, right? It could be an hour of the equivalent of running around Hyrule Field, and then Anuma sits down and talks for a little while without footage. And then it goes to the equivalent of fighting at Goma, and That's then it goes back to Miyamoto talking. Yeah, like, sure. I can see them taking three hours and spreading it across six hours, basically. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, Which, that's still a lot, though. I don't know. Like, yeah, and a fan doesn't want to see that much. Like, a new trailer was all people wanted going into this game, and maybe a demo, but knowing it's so that much. it's a day-long, no-time confirmation of how long this will be. Uh, and plus, even if people want to see it then, because, yeah, it's the first... It's essentially like we've seen gameplay, which is the first like extended gameplay reveal. But then after that, if there are people who want to see five hours of Zelda this year at E3, great. 
then they don't want to see any more until the game's out. Like, that's the bigger problem. And they're not going to see any more until the game's out. <laughs> yeah. I'm willing to bet you I, that right yeah. here. I, I would, I mean, honestly, I would watch, as a Zelda fan, I would watch <clears throat> 30 minutes, no problem. I'd, I'd love to see, you know, the, the fighting demos. And it's going to be a small part of the overall experience. So, like... You know, like I'm hoping that it will be insightful, great interviews with uh, some great new footage, but not, I mean, not a seriously long playthrough of this game and only of this one. Well, and all signs seem to point to that, which is worrisome. I mean, we last week when we talked about this, we all in this room thought, well, okay, so Zelda is the only playable game. Surely they're going to say <laughs> something else. Surely they're going to have their digital event and they're going to have, they're going to, you know, just it, Pokemon Sun and Moon is coming out yeah. this year. I, I and will that's caveat a phenomenon. It. That game sells, it, sells itself, but it still should have a presence at E3. I mean, think about last year, right? During the Nintendo World Championships, which have nothing to do with this, they went, by the way, Earthbound Beginnings is coming to Virtual Console. It had nothing to do with the World Championships, mm-hmm, but they yeah. just dropped it in the middle of the stream. Like, they can still do stuff oh, like that. Are you still hopeful? Yeah. I, I still think there could be, every 30 minutes, it's like, hey, by the way, we're gonna, while we set up the next area of Zelda, here's this producer to show you 10 minutes of I, whatever weird 3DS <laughs> game. If you're watching the video, the look on my face is, please, <laughs> I hope so. Because the expectations just can't get any lower. Yeah. Like, I just... I understand what's happening here, and I've said this. I've said this on Twitter. This is a rough transition year. Clearly, the plug is getting pulled on Wii U. That is how this looks. It looks like Nintendo gave up at E3 They're sitting because they didn't have no. something to, to show at that time. Again, caveat: they they have Zelda, right? Like arguably their biggest game on this platform, and probably one of the bigger ones on the next platform too. They have that, so I want to make sure that it doesn't come across as they're not there and they're so, not going okay, to so they're really... not going to have a good good show because like when you walk into that booth and you see the crazy figures and like you get to play this game and the game plays well, but, that's all you need. But like, that yeah. doesn't cover up how empty and how different this show I, is for them, and also. As Mr. I'm upset that Zelda got delayed and I'm not yeah. going to give them a pass, yeah. you sound like a very different no. person to me today. No, because I've already come to – first of all, I've already come to terms with the fact that Zelda is the only game at the show. Like when, I, I when did you too. When you kept on saying like, well, maybe they'll show something else, like I was thinking no. I you think agreed they, with me. No, How I dare think you? They have they, – I think they <laughs> have absolutely – No, I think they it have is. absolutely given up. Like the only things that I would have expected from them on their digital stream would be Box Boy 2. And stuff like that. And okay, well, but, and well, then, we said that smaller yeah. stuff. That doesn't mean but that's that. the you thing. agreed with me. But that's See, not going to move the needle. It's not Who like said it was? here's where I agree with you though. Like if you walk in and Zelda is awesome, if they if they yep. nail it, do you really need Kirby Mass Attack and Mario Tennis and all of no, these things that but, even if they had ten other games, that's would fine. It matter. No, that's they wouldn't. Fine. And Box Boy is I, good. But and it I'm not disagreeing either. with either one of you. But when you consider people who bought this console, when you consider that. Forget even up to December. Let's just go a little further. From January to March, what are you doing? Yeah. I'll tell you what you're doing. You're putting in an NX pre-order <laughs> because what else is there? Or you're buying a PS4. And that, and that is, to me, what is the more disappointing part of this. Yeah. yeah. Where I wasn't expecting through the moonshot announcements, some Mario Galaxy HD, what it, like nonsense. I don't care. All I wanted was to see an attempt to at least put this thing out to pasture in a nicer way, and they're not going to do this at the show. That doesn't mean they're going to do this ever. Not going to do it ever. Maybe after E3, Nintendo comes to its senses and says, here's three things that you should know about that you're going to be playing between now and when NX comes out. And to me, that would be nice, because for folks who bought this thing, how are you not supposed to feel burned right now? Totally. I I think the most exciting thing for me, looking in a positive direction, if if, if we're considering Wii U dead and gone, is something you were talking to me about, Watching six hours of Zelda or whatever it is will tell us something about NX. Even if it's not overt, like watching the way that game works on Wii U will let us speculate pretty well about what NX will be. I, and I, I don't know. Really interesting. I mean, like, yeah, yes, it could tell you something, right? Like, there are, like, rumors flying around about uh, NX being cartridge-based. And, like, when you're seeing Zelda and it has voice acting, mm-hmm. huge vistas if, and everything, if, right? Well, like, when you're seeing if, that, you're like, well, <laughs> it would be very, very difficult to put this game on a cartridge, mm-hmm. you know, even even the bigger ones, in a cost-effective fashion, right? Like, that's a point we you made. We about that this morning, yeah. And um, so it'll tell you something like that. But think about Twilight Princess. You could not look at Twilight Princess and predict what Wii was going to be. 
you know? And, like, sure. this may be a similar situation where they never planned to put this game on NX and use whatever the MacGuffin is. And <laughs> If there's a MacGuffin. Yeah, the if there's sensor. a MacGuffin, it's a it sensor. might, yeah. It's All right. a tongue sensor? Ooh. It Sorry. could be. Um, <laughs> well, if you're interested in going to E3, Nintendo's doing a contest over at E3.Nintendo.com. You might be a lucky person that gets picked. You should check it out. Also, the website has cool Zelda art, which at the end of the day... Is really what we care about. <laughs> yeah, you're just going to stare at it and shed one tear until yeah. uh, E3 rolls around. But it's going to be fun. I have nothing but excitement to see. I'm nothing but excited to see that game in action. Yeah. I cannot and, wait. And that's the I'm funny thing. I'm only disappointed that it's the only thing. That's mm-hmm. the, the thing is I'm going to complain every day up until E3 about how they don't have anything but Zelda. And then I'm going to get there and I'm going to see Zelda and I'm going to shut up. Because I'm going to yeah. hopefully just the, be really well, impressed Well, 14 seconds of Zelda or whatever at E3 2014. Exactly. <laughs> think of it. Yeah. Let's all lose our minds. <laughs> I mean, think about it this way. If Rockstar went to E3 and showed you a new Grand Theft Auto, you wouldn't complain that they didn't show you any of the other games, right? Like, that's that's how I feel. Same situation. Like, I am really excited about Zelda. I can't wait to see it. Um, I am okay with it, I, but I, at the same time, it's disappointing that the Wii U ends like this and that the 3DS has become such an afterthought that it doesn't even deserve well, a, that, a mention at the show. That's where I'm yeah. coming from. When you use Rockstar as an yeah. example, no offense, I, I see that apples to oranges because Rockstar doesn't have a platform that they put right. games on, whereas this one does. Um, and again, this is signs of a rough transition. Hopefully one day we'll get to hear more about it. I wouldn't be surprised if... Uh, if, if I don't know, if, if you try to even ask someone from Nintendo if they just jump through a warp pipe to get away. Like, I don't want to answer that. Just a I don't smoke know. bomb? Yeah, just, I mean, the 3DS point, that's really interesting. I, that hadn't even occurred to me. That is crazy. That they is. Don't, that, this is, virtually means no 3DS games there. Or well, set, or there is stuff announced, though, right? There's Rhythm Heavy Mega Mix. There's Monster Kirby. Hunter Generations. There's Kirby, yeah. Planet Robobot. There's Pokemon Sun and Moon. Robobot. That's four Robobot. easily... Yeah, Robobobobobot. Um, there's stuff. There's also... Another event that happens at the same time as E3, and that's our our buddies at Apple, right, are going Mm -hmm. to have an event. Um, I would not be surprised to see some Nintendo product show in there. No. You know, like that may send too strong of a message where, you know, like where Nintendo would be worried about it sounding like they gave up on their platforms that are supporting this. That wouldn't happen. But let's face it, they need some sort of way to get the, the word out to... You know, investors and everyone like what their new Fire Emblem and uh, uh, Animal yeah, Crossing game. I, I don't see that happening at WWE. Why would Nintendo pull out of E3 and then no, no, advertise they didn't pull out at E3. Well, they didn't pull out, but no. they didn't. They didn't show up the way they have in the well, past. Well, no, but if their biggest products are the Zelda game and the two mobile games, ignoring Pokemon now, yeah, but you don't have to promote mobile. Mobile mobile exists in a world where but it's, you don't have to promote it until it's available you, you because no, you want you, people to get the impulse buy. Those events are not for for consumers though. That that event is for that is for the industry, that is for investors. And like Nintendo needs to regain some face with their investors, right? So we've talked wait, about this on wait the Wait till the next gets delayed till so does next DNA. November. I mean, I would assume DNA is some well, degree yeah, of saying some of that. That's yeah. a good point. I don't know if they went over the financials, but I, I guess, uh, and you can close this out if you want, but the last thing I would say to you is just that I don't see that happening. I see if Fire Emblem and Animal Crossing, when they're ready, <clears> I think that has the potential to show up at a future Apple event. I don't think it shows up at one that's happening the same week as E3. Because yeah. that sends a bad message to the people who bought Nintendo platforms. Well, not, if, not if Miyamoto stands up there and says, right now we're no. showing The Legend of Zelda on the Wii U at E3. But Apple we're would never let on that. This. No way. No Don't way. Don't underestimate like, the, the powerful statement I will that bet sends. you right here on this show that does Ooh. not happen. Stake bet right here. Yeah, I'm not confident enough. All right, fine. I'm just dreaming, man. I, I, I love you to death, man. All right, let's move forward then. Apple, uh, Apple stuff aside, Andrew, you hey. have been to PAX East, this yes. wonderland of fans, community, excitement. You saw a lot of folks who, who admire and love IGN. You were at a really awesome party. Mm-hmm. But you also played Tokyo Mirage Sessions, which I, did. I need yeah. someone to tell me what this game is because as I should – know a little more myself just based on what i do but i don't it appears the only thing he hates more than this game or the prospects of this game is dark souls too so yeah we'd love to hear a little bit <laughs> Wait, more what are you that. talking about <laughs> sorry i don't even know what that meant <laughs> keep going uh no i the game is super fun it is not at all what i thought it was i think uh every trailer i saw you know they they showed it what was it last e3 they showed that completely in japanese trailer that no one really understood unless he spoke japanese obviously uh not even subtitled and i think i thought this was a rhythm game somehow from that um i think 
the pop idol stuff made me think this was some kind of rhythm-based thing. It is absolutely not. It is a Shimigami Persona-style turn-based RPG uh, with free-roaming elements in real parts of Japan. So, so very much like a Persona game. It really um, is. Um, the well, twist, Shimigami, I guess, also has that setting. I apologize. Go ahead. Yeah, no, no, no. I mean, totally. It, it's, it's more Shimigami than Persona, I would say, because it doesn't have the social link elements. Mm-hmm. But in terms of, yeah, like the demon or Persona collecting, that's the twist. That's the sharp FE. Those are called Mirages, and they're Fire Emblem characters. Okay. So the main character's Mirage, or Persona, basically, is Krom. And you get Fire Emblem weapons, and there's a weapon triangle, and that part of it, it's a little light. I don't think it's really a true crossover. So it's crossover. not a strategy RPG you wouldn't Mm-mm. define it as, right? Because that's what Fire Emblem is to everyone. No, yeah, it's definitely, it is not a proper Fire Emblem game. It's more to Fire Emblem elements that have been woven into SMT. Okay. So you can chain attacks together. It, it, there is a strategic element to it because um, basically you, you put these combo. The, the title actually weirdly makes sense once you play it um, in a convoluted way. Uh, there are combos that are called sessions, which you string together. And those are essentially like, um, you know, you can get like an eight-move session or a ten-move session, which are, are chains with your party members. And not okay. just the active party members, but everybody that you've recruited. And so the way it works is if you have um, the name of your attack is like Dragon Lance and someone else, they have an attack called like Lance Push. The two, the lance and the lance, so one attack ending with lance, one attack beginning with lance, connect, and you're essentially weaving attacks together. And, and you're uh, capitalizing on enemies' weaknesses and your strengths, and it's all the, the Shimigami and Persona elements. So basically, you'll have a weapon that's imbued with Agi, which is fire, and someone else will be weak to that, and you'll attack them, and, and you sort of, sort of that Fire Emblem style mm-hmm. of um, like strategically chaining attacks together, but it's mm-hmm. super light. I mean, this is way more Shinigami heavy than, than Final Fantasy. But, it, but, it, but to you, from what you play, by the way, I meant Darksiders too. I confused you with Dark Souls, didn't yeah, I? Yeah, I was like, okay. Okay. <laughs> Jose loves Dark Souls. That's all he talks about. Yeah, um, off mic. E- 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 even, <laughs> even the third. No, um, but, but, but from what you played, it, it felt more like like a full-fledged RPG. Like when, oh, yeah. when you see it in trailers, it looks more like this kind of glitzy, kind of very music-heavy show. Yeah, or even cutscene-heavy. Yep. Like I feel like yeah. every other scene I've seen is just some dance session. Almost. Yeah, and so, it, like and, what's happening? And that's yeah. what's crazy. Like there are literally in the middle of battle. If you've leveled up your relationships with a with a partner well you enough, launch a music video. You launch a music, <laughs> literally launch a music video. Oh, wait, I guess. Yeah. No. That's serious? that's exactly what, like. So I'm playing this with Zach, design. and we we chained together an ad lib performance. God. Save us. Which was just a two-minute music video. It's set to a J-pop song, and it's like just the weirdest thing. Like it, it's, it's definitely a niche game. Don't get me wrong. And I think if you aren't into pop idols, or if you're not into JRPGs, you're really not going to like this game. But I think if you are an SMT Persona fan, if you want a little bit of Fire Emblem fan service, and if you're willing to like try a, something weird, I think this could be good. Well, that's the question, though. Like if yeah. you are, you know. Fire Emblem is a, a strategy JRPG, right? Like, but mm-hmm. it but it feels different from like a a real JRPG. Like, sure. it's not a game that if you're a Fire Emblem fan, you're you're a fan of kind of like the relationship building. It's probably yes. still going to be a different experience, right? Like, it, yeah, it's the relationships are so much less than a Persona game, or yeah. definitely less than a, a Fire Emblem game. Okay. It's it's more of the like the typical JRPG thing. Like, you you're recruiting party members as you go, but it seems to be uh, leaning way far away from the actual like deep like getting married or or anything like that like there's and there aren't like social links like in persona but you do have the kind of that like typical old school jrpg mentality of going through dungeons fighting bosses all that stuff turn-based attacks um just with kind of a weird twist to it so um i guess one question i have though is that Shin Megami Tensei or Mega Ten as some people love to call that series Mm -hmm. has a reputation for not holding back against you as a player. Like Shin Megami Tensei 4, for example, yeah. is a notoriously difficult game. Like so, all of them are. Where does this fall? I mean, like we, we only played about an hour and did you, it was did you definitely lose it all early or parts. You felt like it was just an easier demo. It, it's funny that you say that because basically huh. we were in the easy demo parts and we kept saying like, oh, like we're way overpowered. And mm. then they loaded up a save from later in the game mm. where a boss just destroyed us. Like it okay. wasn't even, it was, we attacked once and then they chained together like a 40 plus move session yeah. that just wiped out no, our party. Mega 10 don't play. Like if you are yeah. weak to lightning <laughs> and Mega 10 will chain 10 lightning. Yeah. Right? Just to like, oh, you're weak against <laughs> that? Let me show you. 
you what happens. And then you uh-huh. just clack, clack, clack. Oh, no. I see you're carrying water, Pokemon. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I, I, mean, I got something for you. It is. Um, it does do two nice care RPG things, which are um, if your party leader dies, you can keep fighting like as uh-huh. long as as long as somebody's alive. It's not like the kind of game where the party leader dies and the whole team dies. Um, mm. And then also you have a shared item pool. So as long as you have a couple, you know, revives left or whatever, like you can keep reviving people. But yeah, we. Oh man, did we brutally die? I think we were just under leveled, to be fair. But yeah, so yeah. you're smitten, man. Like it's. Uh, I mean, you, it, yeah. you're the world's biggest Persona fan, right? Like that's <laughs> fair to say. Sure. Yeah. At least three or four. Yeah. I mean, like, and that's what's funny is like, I feel like this weird. It's interesting, right? Because this comes out in June, which mm-hmm. to me, like, if you are a big Persona fan, and you know, today. Coincidentally, they announced uh, that comes out in Japan September 15th, which means in the U.S., probably Q1 2017 is honestly my mm-hmm. guess, maybe very late in the year. But, like, if you're waiting for a Persona game, like, you have to wait a while. Whereas this will be out this June, which feels like a really good way to kind of scratch that itch while also having something to play on Wii U. The one caveat to that, though, is that Shimigami Tensei for Apocalypse is also coming west. So there is a proper SMT game coming sometime this year as well mm-hmm. uh, on 3DS. And that's what's interesting to me about this is, um, I don't know, like, I want to see more of it because I'm yeah. curious to know, like, we played an hour and it was, like, really, really, really intriguing to me. I, I oh, definitely cool. enjoyed it. Um, but I don't know yet, right? I don't know if it's, if it's worth going up against instead of a full-fledged SMT mm-hmm. game that you know is probably going to be better. So I think Nintendo did a really good job with uh, Xenoblade Chronicles X of marketing that game so people understood what it was. There, mm-hmm. was, con- there was a constant stream of videos that kept showing up on nintendo's youtube channel that would explain different aspects of how gameplay unfolded how to customize mechs how to do all that stuff i feel like this game needs that desperately yes like I somebody agree. if they're not working on it already like you should be doing this because to me this it, has always been presented as this weird j-pop music video it looks mm-hmm. like hatsune miku or something exactly like that, right? yeah that's, that's why like i thought it was a rhythm game, game. yeah yeah diva kind, kind of thing and right yeah. now i don't i just i think the people who care clearly care like i've i've People have constantly reached out on me, uh, to me on Twitter saying, yeah. why aren't you excited for this? It's like, well, they haven't shown me anything I should be excited about. Like, the J-pop angle doesn't work with me unless there's a substance there. There's a game there. They need um, a gameplay trailer. And I didn't trailer. see that in, in anything mm-hmm. that they've really shown. Like, the, even the gameplay trailers, though, yep. were really light on what oh, the game was. Right? 100%. Yeah. yeah, there was the very first trailer was like an open world trailer for this game that no one understood what it was well enough to know what they were seeing. Mm-hmm. Um, and they did yeah. that twice. They did yep. it in April. Nintendo. <laughs> Yep. And then they did that again in, at the, the digital event last year. And I remember us all stunned in the room. Like, what do you even do and, with this? And even as someone who was curious about this game, I had no idea what was happening. That's why, like, look, like, it's hard because the game will not have English dub. Mm-hmm. It'll only be in Japanese with subtitles. So I, I do think that obviously makes it hard for them to try and hit a mainstream audience because all the trailers by default will be in Japanese in terms sure, of spoken sure. word. Mm-hmm. But I agree. They need, like, a good five minute hey here are the abcs of what this game is mm-hmm. and i think that would go a long way and that's that's why like i, I wrote a piece that's on ign about it where i tried to just basically regurgitate what our demo was where they were basically like here's what this game is because mm-hmm. i think that's the fundamental problem is i totally agree with you like yeah. i i think i had the benefit of sitting down with three nintendo employees for an hour where they literally explained step by step what it was and mm-hmm. i think that's kind of what they need to do publicly i yeah. think they need yeah. to come out and say you hey tuned, what it is. you tuned out the moment you saw j-pop right that's no, that's not true. I mean, uh, you need I, some chocolate. It, it depends on. Oh yeah, I need some baby metal. Uh, that's not J-pop. Uh, well, I guess it is. Partially. It's, it's yeah, J-pop it's metal. No, pop. um, so I I'm really into a lot of things from Japan, but it has to grab me right away. It's got to have like sort of a catchy rhythm and a catchy tune, and this didn't. Like right. I remember the first song. I complained about it on this show. People were like, <laughs> "How did you not like that?" I'm like, "Because it was not good. <laughs> like it what it did not appeal to me in any way." Uh, you can. It, was. it is definitely very <laughs> Japan heavy. Like even aside from obviously the the Japanese language track, it's you know the music is very much very much J-pop, and there's yeah. a lot of it. So if you really hate that music, you're gonna hear a lot of it. Um, well, and then I'm also, sure, but I'm also I'm sure there's tracks that I'm gonna love. Like it's just. I don't know. I almost wonder, too, because Xenoblade fell into that problem, too, where mm-hmm. if you played Xenoblade, huh. the Central Hub Town song was awful. <laughs> it was so And you just have so to always bad. hear it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh, oh. It just goes into this, like, guitar riff, and you're like, wait, who invited Carlos Santana? Like, what is going on? It was really weird. Yeah, that makes it hard. I mean, I'm, I'm very curious to see more. We'll have more in IGN. We'll see what happens. I don't know. I'm, I, this game comes out right after E3, so it's like... It's something on Wii U, and mm-hmm. I hope it's good. Like, I would really love for this game to actually be sort of a, a cult hit because I feel like Wii U needs it at the moment. 
definitely. No, I agree. And uh, I'm, I was really glad to hear when you came back from this demo how excited you were because that woke me up. I, I was mm-hmm. like, okay, well, now I need to care about this, clearly. Like, Andrew, Andrew being our resident persona um, emissary, I would call I'll you. I'll take it. You're an yeah. ambassador. That you know? is what says my business cards. Yep. Um, he was able to do that. All right. Do you, you still have your meeting at three? You got to. Yeah, I surrender a meeting. Okay. Well, so we're going to take a break then. Let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we have more to discuss. So don't go anywhere. Jose Otero here with Paris Schneider. We're a man down. Andrew. Andrew. But you can find him, ladies and gentlemen, uh, especially ladies, at uh, Garfep on Twitter. And on, uh, if you listen to Beyond, our podcast right. about PlayStation, Andrew is on there all the time, yep. right? True. Um, there's a YouTube channel for that one, too. Just YouTube.com slash. Is it Beyond or Podcast Beyond? One of the two. Yeah, it's one of the two. Yeah, we should podcast know Podcast Beyond. Okay. Pear. Beyond. You and I have been playing a game that we never thought we would oh, be. God. Well, I shouldn't say we never thought we'd be this excited about, but we clearly weren't expecting. What are you talking about? Be, I was not excited about it. You told me about the name. I was like, oh. Oh, yeah. No, gonna. that's true. So those watching, listening, this is all truth. I went to Pear's desk. I said I tried the demo for this game that was made by Game Freak called Pocket Card Jockey. <laughs> not the easiest three words to say in succession, by the way. But my son thought it was like a dirty joke, the title. So the funny thing is, this game, because it's such a weird and abstract concept, I think it does a great job of presenting itself. To give you the quick summary, it is horse racing meets solitaire. Which sounds like, come on, that combination, if, unless you're into horse racing or you're into cards to that degree, that sounds like a disaster. That does not sound fun to me. And like, yet it is. And, and somehow you have to have a little bit more faith because it is Game Freak, the makers of Pokemon. And it's really, I mean, it's charming, it's clever, and it's really addictive. Mm. They did such a nice job with such a simple concept. Mm. And I want to give away the story here, but it's it like it starts off and right away you're like, what the heck is this? Yeah, you it, know, it does it, it has a. I'll, I'll say a few things about it. There's a mm-hmm. horse narrator called Off Course yes. who uh, comes out to give you tips and advice. Um, there is. <laughs> I have to say, though, I feel it's a little chatty at the start, and I think people need to go in knowing that. Like, the dialogue is charming, but there's a lot of it. They let you skip skip it, though. Did you notice, like, the post, um, after the, the race, you'll get all these, like, here are all the things you did wrong. You can just hit X, well, and you get them out of the way. Well, you can, but when you're learning the mechanics of the yeah. game, and when they're doing the, the story part of the game, there is a lot of text to it. I, and I don't, I don't want to make that sound like that yeah. is a terrible thing, but it is... When you just want to jump into what something is, that can come I, with sort of a. Oh, I get wow. it, but it's new. It's new text. It's not like you know Splatoon having to listen to the character you know, hey, say you got the a same blue lines, right? No, it is. It is new text, and it's part of the story. It's but the, but good, what well written text. So what they did is like basically, you know, you you get a horse in the beginning. You can have a young horse under three years old. You can get an older horse later. You can have multiple horses. You can put them out to pasture to to breed and all these things. Like yeah. all these things, where the game expands more and more and more to become bigger, and then. The actual race mechanics are based on the game Solitaire, like the card yeah. game. Slightly changed, like, you know, uh, you have to put down cards in succession, but it can be a smaller card or a higher card, and you got to go fast because there's a little race timer at the bottom. Yeah, and they're timing you the whole time, but they time you in different phases. So when a race starts, you're playing Start Solitaire. Yep. And basically, you're trying to clear a smaller section of solitaire cards to try and reach the cards in the back row because they spell out the word start with an exclamation. The idea being that you want to find the letter card that has the most orbs on it. And because of power, the extra. Yeah, you'll get the most power off of the line to start the race. Um, that one's brutally quick. Like you have to get it fast, and if you, you don't, have to spot it, you have to yeah. spot which card it is when they get put down. Oh, Did you're you notice that? That's it. Okay, yeah, I was wondering so, how that works. So you see the cards; they fly in really fast. And you're like, "Oh, that one had five. And then you gotta kind of go like, "Okay, I need a nine, and you keep on flipping mm-hmm. through the cards. So then, very, very you go through phases, and then during each phase of the race, each leg of the race, you have to clear a game of solitaire. Depending on the stakes or <laughs> the caliber of the race, if it's higher tier, the timer on your game of solitaire goes faster. They are. Tra- 
tracking how long it takes you to get through the whole race uh, because that's like a high score mechanic. I think you trade that through Street Pass. Yeah. Um, it's re- so it, it's really exciting, even though it it's kind of and um, I don't want to take full credit for this because my roommate to- uh, kind of expressed it this way. But he's like, it's kind of like when you go to the to the carnival and use a water gun to shoot a target. That moves the horse like faster yeah. across the. I, I don't know what they call those games, but uh, it's it's a carnival horsey. game. Yeah, but it's sort of a carnival <laughs> game. No, but you you know what I'm saying. Like you're doing yeah. a completely separate action that has nothing to do with horse yep. racing. And in this one, you're doing that, but the, you're playing solitaire the, in order to do it. The conceit. I mean, the, the story set up for this game is pretty awesome. They explain why it's solitaire. I'm not, I'm not going to give it away here, but um, but then once the race starts, so you clear a table of cards, mm-hmm. and it, it it has all these kind of like you know funny animations, like these flames shoot up to your mm-hmm. like horse and it changes the mood color from like bad to good depending on what you do if you have a lot of misses it changes the mood of the horse to worse it'll perform worse but then you actually get a field view that expands where the horses are and there's their uh, icons and you can draw a line of where you want your horse to run like whether inside or outside and then these icons that come in from the right that you can collect that give you additional powers but you have to plan ahead where like you, you have to get into this comfort zone that will give you a lot of energy and you yeah. can say you know what i'm going to go low because there are fewer horses i don't want to bump into anybody the way it all ties together this sounds crazy but the way it all ties <laughs> together it's just really fun there's a there's well, a betting aspect to it like you betting hey my strategy of staying out of the path of these horses is going to work out or i'm going to go in the thick of well, it. sometimes that doesn't work and yeah. the thick of it comes up to where you are and you get yeah. hit um and also every horse has a different <laughs> type of skill so for example the first horse you get uh i forgot what they called it i think they just call it first race. i just first rename, race. rename them to flying fart and stuff like oh, you should nice. I, I horse mine, names uh, have to be great i think i named mine huffing hamilton or something oh, that's like pretty that. good. <laughs> yeah. um but anyway uh no but the first horse you get uh has a skill that it rides it, it gains more skill points or rides comfortably if it's following the lead horse. Uh-huh. So this is not a horse that is meant to break away from the pack at the start. So you try to get your, your position between solitaire decks yeah. as you clear them. Now, if you're still with us, and I hope you are, <laughs> we're not crazy. Like, this game is is very good. And in, in one thing I do want to point out is, have you seen this game's, like, weird uh, don't close, don't quit a race? Oh, yeah. The uh, warning? Or, or yeah, so can you You're recap the it. warning? Yeah, if you quit during a race, it's considered an L, yeah. and you lose. But it also, I, I thought I misread it, and I thought it also meant I couldn't close the clamshell. And I was freaking out. I'm like, I'm on the train. I gotta get off oh. at the next stop. Good question. Does it pause it? So I, I made sure to clear the solitaire deck before I tried. So I'm no. not sure. I may have misread the text, but I thought it said the same condition for if you tried to close the lid during a game of solitaire. And I wonder if it was just them trying to make sure you're not cheating huh. or something like that. But I'm not entirely I don't sure. Know. I could be that. making this up. This part I could be crazy about. Yeah. But the game itself being good, like trust, like if you trust what we're saying. Trust in me. Yeah, trust. Like this, this thing is a lot better than you think it is. They're selling it for $6.99. On the Nintendo 3DS eShop. Totally worth it. And and again, I'm not a fan of solitaire card games. My wife, my daughter, they all they all play it. I always just look at them like they're crazy. I'm not a big fan of horse oh, racing. But this is really tense. It's so <laughs> well done. And like it it can be really nerve-wracking when you're trying to get the start and you're like, mm-hmm. I gotta get this freaking yeah, card. It's and fast. Like, it's and fast. it also has this wonderful Hannibal moment of where, you know, I love it when a plan comes together and you clear the entire table and your horse gets like brrr, powered up and you know, flames come out and rides towards the camera. It's all like cutesy graphics this, this is all this is um, all true what he said but, the horse is in flames but the one i mean the one thing first of all it does not have 3d yeah which is it's kind of funny right like, like a they, lot of 3 they keep on doing this smaller with the smaller games, downloadable yeah. games Box as Boy. if it costs like as if there's that much work involved in making these games in uh, display in 3d i don't even get it maybe it's just testing maybe it's just that extra layer of, yeah it, there or is they're all gonna go to mobile it. Or like, I mean, they're just not even. So gonna Pokemon bother. Shuffle did. Yeah. Box Boy won't. I don't think so. But I, this game could work on mobile. It's such a. This would be a great game for Japan and mobile. But it, mobile always weirds me out because you can't pause. That's the take problem. take a game like there's a game that I really enjoyed that was a turn based strategy game. Uh, it came out on 360 first. Yep. It's called Skulls of the Shogun. Yeah. Love the art style. Love everything about that game. Came out that game came out on mobile. At, well, first it was Windows Phone exclusive, which was part of their deal with Microsoft. Then it came to iOS. 
sold nothing. Yeah, yeah. It like it, it was just no one cared, and it was yeah. a good game, and no one cared. Yeah, but think about the games that sell well on mobile. Like they they either fit into a trend, and like Angry Birds and Birds were definitely a trend. Mm-hmm. Minecraft and Blocks were a trend, and Zombies were a trend. Right? Like you have to fall kind of in those trend lines a lot of ways, or you start your own. And like I, Plague and Inc. It, and I think, yeah, and yeah. I think it's difficult for a game like that to have an identity on mobile because it already has an identity elsewhere, and I wouldn't say it, it really kind of fits that broad audience. But this horse racing game with, uh, like, cutesy-looking horses, yeah. solitaire, like, I think this is a shoe-in. Like, you put the... <laughs> a uh, horse shoe-in, would you say? Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well. Um, but yeah, no, this game is good. Okay. Uh, totally took us by surprise. If you have a heart um, and you trust us, do check it out. Yeah, seven bucks yeah. Uh, US if you're in other territories. Sorry, I don't have that price for you, but you should definitely check it out. It's removing the pounds. <laughs> and moving on, um, before I go into the question block, I want to ask you did we talk about really uh, the digital event looks like it's shelved this year? Did we talk about that? Yes, we said. We did, right? Yeah, like is I mean, it, it's it's a, it's all the, signs say you yes. No, what they did is they they're they're creating the Zelda demo for people who can't be there. There is no real digital event. It's not a tune in and see what's going to happen next. It's like now it's time to look at Zelda or, or, or tune in and see what you're going to be playing in it's, the next six to eight months. It is yeah. not the equivalent of a kind of lighthearted press conference or anything like it. It is. A Zelda demo. It's a Zelda Direct is what it is. Okay. And that is, to anyone who is into that series, that is pretty damn good. But it's not going to give you a lot of variety. All right. So then uh, before we go to the question block, uh, we have a quick request from a friend of the show. So happy birthday to Chris Bradley, who is described as a loyal Nintendo fan and lover of Zelda. From his partner in crime, Beth. Beth emailed us uh, and said... Chris would love a shout out, and we're not gonna do this often. We might do your bar mitzvahs or your or your, or your, or your weddings, but uh, I don't know. But we'll we'll see. But I definitely can, want to throw that out there for Chris Bradley. I can play a, a mean Casio synth. Can you? No. Oh yeah, you have one. No, I don't have Casio. Korg. <laughs> Jesus. Okay, and on to the question block. Everyone's favorite question segment on Nintendo Voice Chat, where we take your questions and try to turn around an answer in. Four minutes. You, We've see, been you haven't for done it for minutes. so long. You haven't done it for remember. so long. I forgot. Oh, man. Uh, which is really bad. Just like I forgot where my timer is uh, with my amazing Luigi sound effects. Um, but, yeah. So, we got a bunch of emails in from last show. Thank you, everyone, who did email us after last show. Our first email comes from David. And he says, uh, he had an email talking a lot about just uh, The Legend of Zelda in, in, in a more specific way, but he has a question at the end of this, which was, uh, since I can't get the real thing, uh, when I can't get the real thing, I love to play Zelda clones to fill in the void. <laughs> He's a big fan of Okami, Beyond Good and Evil, yeah. Darksiders 1 and 2. Oh, look I'm at that, Jose. sorry, How David, weird. you should not hmm. be advocating for those. Uh, 3D Dot Heroes. I think Darksiders is okay. I'm not a huge fan. Yeah. And Cameo, to name a few. Do you have any suggestions for other games from this gen or last gen that might be close enough to a Zelda type of game to try. You're playing one right now. The Witcher. In The Witcher 3. Yeah, The Witcher 3. I mean, it doesn't have that kind of... It doesn't have that control perfection. Like, I always love the way the Zelda games feel, and especially the way the combat feels. And I love the item progression. Like, you really only find that in the in the Zelda games and the Metroid games or in your Arkham cities. And, and you know, like, I would say the Batman Arkham series, very close to Zelda good, good for one. sure. Witcher 3, it's... It is more RPG and stats building driven. It's fantastic. I mean, like, the controls are not good. Let's face it. They're not awesome controls. On PC, they're much better. But on consoles there, it feels a little sloppy. But, man, the side stories are so amazing. Like, every story that game tells in a side story is better than, like, major major games, main yeah, stories. Yeah, and I, I want to I definitely uh, echo pair on that one where... I do feel like Witcher's world is is a very interesting one. It's very well presented. The yeah. way you wander into quests is really well done. Um, you're not getting temples and dungeons and rel- and like the kind of relic in the way you would in a in a Zelda yeah. type of experience. But you are getting in replacement of that some of the best side quests you'll probably ever play. I think the main quest in Witcher Three is lame. I've said that before. It's on a follow show. a person quest. Very simple yeah, setup. Yeah, it's it's just not. 
it, it pales so much to the other stories that you learn about within that world. And these stories require like some really cool research. Like one of the first ones you get, um, and we may have talked about this before on the show, <clears throat> but you get a quest where you are investigating a curse, find out about you know betrayal, someone who uh, was killed on their wedding day, and this whole arc of well what is this creature this person turned into and yeah. you actually have to do research go through like little notes and things and you eventually learn on land on well how do i kill this thing yeah. and uh that's one thing that that world does really well is that it's a it's it is a just like game of thrones feels like it has history i feel like the witcher 3 does a good job of convincing it, you it, it has does. history and there's racism right like there's uh there, there are these people who are yeah they're the people who hate witchers they're the people who hate elves they're people who hate hate like uh, mages and like it's a really interesting world and it is it is a fantastic game uh, absolutely worth your time but i would say arkham is closer to a zelda experience yeah. like has these kind of item gates right where like you get your grapple hook type equivalent yeah. and then you can access new areas um also mad max i don't know if you've ever played that i haven't played that mad max is like car zelda like okay. you're i mean you literally like your goal is to rebuild your car there was so car it has zelda this mario kart so it has this really cool <laughs> no it has this really cool <laughs> goal right like it makes the makes the right the center point but then you're exploring this big open world and and you are you know fighting people it's Again, like control-wise, nowhere near Zelda, but but a really interesting setup too. So a bunch I, of others too. I want to say, and this isn't the one-to-one comparison to Zelda that maybe some of the other games you've mentioned are yeah. right, or or even that he mentioned, Okami, Beyond and Evil, Dark Tomb Stars. Raider too, of course. Tomb Raider. Tomb yeah. Raider is close. Tomb Raider, yeah, Rise of the Tomb Raider, and he has an Xbox yeah. One. He mentioned that. Um, I was gonna say uh, Dark Souls Three. Um, if you are a first-time player, Dark Souls 3 is probably the friendliest Dark Souls I think I've seen yet. Um, just in terms of that, it isn't like... So Bloodborne is a good From Software, the developer, 101 type game. Like it's, it's a game where you learn a lot of how the way I think From Software games work. But the walk to the first boss is a really long one. And when you get, mm-hmm. when you get smashed into the blob of goo uh, that, that normally happens if you don't know how you're fighting... Um, the walk back is so long, it's annoying. Like, it's upsetting even. But mm-hmm. the way Bloodborne was intended for you to get around that was you were supposed to find the shortcuts to make it a faster trip. Yep. Dark Souls 3 gets rid of a lot of that, and it, it just kind of filters to the more essential. And even though it's not a, a Zelda-type dungeon, it feels like one to me. Not so much that items and, and everything is hidden behind that kind of progression, but that you want to know what's around the next corner because it mm. could be so cool. Um and just the way combat's set up, um, combat feels really good. I love it. Um, but it's also one of those games that every time you see a new enemy, it's a guessing game of what does this guy do and am I in a lot of trouble right now? Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I would, say, I would just say check that out, David. All right. Yeah. So our next question comes from Christina. And Christina says, recently it's been reported that NX would not be sold at a loss. What exactly does this mean for the hardware? Will the quality of the NX suffer in order to keep it at a certain price range? Or will it be like the PS3 launch where it was an outrageous launch price? I want to think that the console wouldn't be too expensive since Nintendo aims to cater towards a larger audience. Mm. However, with the curveballs Nintendo has been throwing us lately, she just doesn't know. Uh, So this is tough because I just don't think there's enough information to really tell us what – so she's referring to that uh, president and CEO of Nintendo, Tatsumi Kimishima, said – uh, two investors, we will not sell this console at a loss. Fun fact, Wii U was sold at a loss when it debuted, which is very un-Nintendo. Nintendo mm-hmm. usually builds profit into every piece of hardware sold, unlike yeah. most console manufacturers who will sell at a loss because they expect to make the money back in video games. It's the Shaver razor blade model, right? Like yeah. The Shaver is cheaper than the razor blade in the end. You're going to make all your money on the blades, um, uh, the games, right? Not on the device. But yeah, with the Wii U, it was interesting because the Wii U, Wii U didn't have an expensive hard drive in it either, mm-hmm. you know? And so, like, the PlayStation, the Xbox One, the manufacturers definitely lose more money until later in the life cycle when that, that price finally catches up. Or they'll release simpler versions, right? Like Revisions. Um, revisions of the machine. Like, Microsoft in the past has tra- tried a machine without a hard drive, mm-hmm. right? For more casual use, didn't work out. Um, but, you know, chipsets become cheaper and they're able to condense things and drop some things they don't need yeah um but yeah this this is interesting because first of all smaller 
like making things smaller can be more expensive sometimes. Always, too, right? More and expensive. like we've talked about the theory that the NX could be like a handheld console bridge. There's definitely cost in creating something that has a built-in screen, which you wouldn't have with a console, right? With, uh, you know, with uh, motion accelerometers, bigger batteries that mm-hmm. that would only be found like you know the Xbox came without uh, controller batteries, for example. Those those are all little places where you can save on something. Where with a handheld machine, you can't. Right, yeah. you have to bake it in. So that's the big question: is what the NX is. First of all, we need to know that, right? Yeah. They can definitely supersize. They can make a more powerful console than the Wii U, even with the disc drive, um, and and sell it. You know, and not make a loss, and it can be impressive. Yeah, but that gets mighty complicated when you're talking about a it really does. beefy handheld. Yeah, and just when you think back to like, I don't know. I mean, I don't, I can't remember how much I paid for my old cell phones, but I know what I pay for a smartphone. Uh, what I could be paying for a smartphone yeah. without a subsidy was like seven hundred bucks, six hundred ins- bucks. Is right? insane. You would have told me in in the year two thousand five, six, or four, whatever, whatever year I got yeah. my first cell phone. You're going to pay $700 for a new phone. I was going to say, absolutely not. That's insane. Yeah. But the reason I feel like we don't feel like they're as expensive is because when you got a new contract, you'd get a subsidy. You'd be paying it over time. The company, basically AT&T, puts that money up for you until you pay it off. Maybe well, Nintendo will do that. Maybe they'll do subsidized. you got to subscribe. I don't, I don't know. To, look, if Nintendo, What's going to keep the cost down? That's the question. Well, no, but right? if Nintendo releases, it's the virtual console subscription plan. Like Every month you get like five virtual console games. You buy this console and it's subsidized and you buy it cheaper, but you're in a two-year plan. right? Sure. Like I mean, That's I'd one way that. to offset, uh, offset costs. I, I don't think they have the guts well, to Well, it's not just guts. That, I don't just don't think they're that generous. This is the company uh-huh. that when you you're buying virtual console games on your Super Nintendo. No offense, guys. I know you're listening, but you're charging people a second time for games that they bought on the other platform. Right. And I feel like Sony and other companies, if, and even Apple, has figured out a way to incentivize you for when, okay, you bought the Apple TV. Hey, you bought this game for like 10 bucks on your on your iPhone. Guess what? It works on your TV. Right. Oh man! If Hearthstone sh- if Hearthstone showed up on my Apple TV, I actually might start playing it again because I stopped. Um, but I but I would just out of the convenience of it, be like, oh, yeah. it's right there, versus like playing it on a computer or For something sure. else. But yeah, this is a this, it's a really good Tough question. question. Like yeah. it is, but it it could point at a couple of things, right? It could point again that there's no hard drive in the box. It could point at the fact that hey, it's not going to be a lot. It's not going to be a lot more powerful than an Xbox One or a PlayStation Four, right? Mm-hmm. It definitely when it's definitely going to point at the fact that it's not going to be 4K, right? So there's some some conclusions you can draw. Absolutely. All right. We're doing pretty good on this. Um, we're, we're pretty much rounding out points as the timer goes gong. Yeah. Next question comes from Alfonso, who says, uh, and this was part of a larger email. Sorry, Alfonso, I didn't read the whole thing. But how do you want Mario's debut on NX to be? Mainly, if you think the series should go back to its pixel-based platforming roots, a la Mario World or even take Mario Maker, uh, with a new art direction or retain the new Super Mario Bros. platform aesthetic, or maybe even try something new entirely. Then he brings up Mario World and Mario 3 are regarded as the best games ever, and I personally think Nintendo could draw inspiration from them and put together a game uh, with a similar vibe on an X. Interesting thing you bring up, Alfonso, just because I think that... um, Ultimately, Mario 3 and Mario World have lived on in every 3D, every Mario Mm -hmm. game to date, I feel, has pulled something from those games. Maybe not the direct power-ups, right? Maybe not the cape cape and and, and the raccoon leaf, but the approaches those games took of, here's a really cool level idea, here's Kerbo Shoot, and we're not going to do it again. Like, those ideas were born through those games. Um, And I feel like World especially has a lot of just very elegant one and done here's a really cool thing or here's a really hard thing or i mean there's a level where you don't even have to touch the ground like it's all about like getting that that p uh i've read the power up that inflates you like a balloon yeah, and you yeah, try to float right. along um personally i would like so it's been we haven't had a, a new 3d mario game since 3d world which if you've been keeping score like we have was 2013 same year that we got a link between worlds. It's been a while for 3D Mario. It's been a while. We just got Mario wow, Maker last long? year. Yes. Whoa. Yes. What happened? It has been a and, while. And and that was to me though, 
3D World is not the same as Mario 64, Sunshine, Mario Galaxy. No, and to a lot of people, they're it's not, more. Right? They have very fixed perspective. They're not sure. immersive exploration games. Yeah, and, and we way. always. I feel like we always run into this this wall every time we bring up 3D World because it's it's important to point that out, right? It is not like the exploration based Mario. That's games, why I but like it. it less. Did, but it did take more chances on power ups. It did make more chances on like really cool stuff, like the double cherry, and multiplayer. The, cat, the cat suit is the coolest new power up I think they've had in a very long time. It's a really good D- game. There's no, there's no question yeah, no about question. it. But but I I, I feel a, like special tingling when I get like a Mario sixty four style game. Yeah, and that I would I would include both Galaxies and Sunshine. But, but Sunshine ultimately is is the weakest of the bunch. So but, I, lo- you know, I love even Galaxy. That one. Yeah, I do love Galaxy. But mm-hmm. Galaxy had the lamest power. Ups, I think I've seen. That's true. A regular Mario was a more important part of that puzzle because he had to be so nimble to do so many yeah. things. Whereas the the B Mario and Cloud Mario, like it just wasn't as special. Uh, it felt like you were more limited if you picked up an item. Fire Flowers, for example, or even Invincibility, like yeah. everything just felt like it wasn't as, as as strong. But level layouts were great. But I get what you're saying. I want a 3D Mario that takes whatever Galaxy was doing and whatever 64 was yep. doing, which is the big open hub world kind of stuff bring them together you know yeah. give me the, give me that space to explore again um and not just what you were doing in galaxy where it was this just this home hub central area that there just wasn't much to it and, and to me a great mario game has the variety of a mario world or mario 3 where you have you know you you do have your underwater stage and you have your you know you, you've got your ice level your, your snow level and um I always felt that sunshine really limited itself, right? Mm. By being having this island set, uh, uh, setting and then not wanting to break with that setting in the sub levels and the mm. bonus rounds. I mean, I I love the little wood the wood structures in the bonus mm. rounds when you lose your your water pack, yeah. but but it just fe- didn't feel as expansive as the other Mario games. So I, I, and I would love that. I would love something yeah. that is that isn't like a one trick pony. Well, and that's the thing too. I wasn't a huge fan of Flood, like honestly, and yeah. I know that might be heresy to some, but I feel like Flood on one hand was a really great skill tool. Like there were certain types of jumps you can do with Flood on that you couldn't do without Flood, um, and there were certain like spin jumps and just really cool, like very Zelda kind of puzzle solving tool. Yeah, yeah. To, to, to get the most out yeah. of it. Um, but at the same token, I did feel like having to stop because I ran out of water was a pain. Like, I, oh, okay, let me run yeah. over there. I got to suck, pull all this water in. All right, now we can do what we need to do. See, I ultimately still liked Flood, and I liked the the break from convention to add that. Yeah, because no, a good idea. Because that game did something really smart. It got you used to using Flood as a safety net when you're jumping with a little hover. Oh, yeah. And then they took it away in the bonus stages. Yeah. And you're suddenly reminded, like, oh, my God, that's how it used to be. I had to be really careful with every jump. Well, it's not even that's how it used to be. It's that's how it used to be times 10 because <laughs> the, it was always an obstacle course of things moving where yeah. you could be – like, remember where those villagers would just throw you through the air and you yep. had to, like, hope you landed on something yep. that was even resembling the ground? Um, no, and I, I think Sunshine had its merits. But I was not a huge fan of Flood. I liked what it went for and I liked what it did. But that's not something I think I'd want to see again. And I, but 3D World did remind me that power-ups can be really cool things. And I do want to see a 3D Mario game tackle them better because I think Galaxy didn't handle them very well. I, I'd be happy with a mix of Galaxy and, and Sunshine. Super Mario Moonshine, give it to me. Okay, so <laughs> I like uh, how you don't even react anymore. I don't. I don't. I don't. Uh, all right, this Make is our last happen. question. This one comes from Bryce, and Bryce says, and this is a good one. Uh, thanks for emailing us, Bryce, and thanks to everyone who emailed us. If you want to email us on this show, email us at nvc at ign dot com. T- put question block in the subject line because that always helps. Some people like to put their subject line instead, but when I'm looking for questions in a last-minute effort, that always helps. Um, and we'll try and answer it on the show. No promises that we will answer all of them, though, because uh, some not so great. And there, you know, there's, uh, there are other places where you can ask questions that we may answer. Like, for example, if you go to IGN, you find the article that announces this, this podcast. We usually look at the comments there and answer, and oh, yeah. we're making an effort to also answer some of the questions on the YouTube channel. But that's not the way to get the questions mentioned on the show. Use the email for that. Yep. All right. So Bryce says, with the news of Mighty Number no. 9 go- finally going gold, I added the finally, it got me thinking about how different that phrase is today versus 10 years ago or even five years ago. Hmm. Uh, in the past, you had to have the, per- the game perfect, or at least he feels in the, in the past you had to have the game perfect. I, I would argue, Bryce, that 
not every game was perfect when it shipped. But regardless, now we swim in day one patches and constant updates. And Nintendo has had examples of this, right? Pokemon X and Y, Splatoon, games that are updated. Smash Brothers even has had plenty of updates since it came out. More of something to think about, think about but I feel going gold in today's world doesn't mean much. Uh, just because it means to him it's ready enough. Like, it, it doesn't signal that it's really, really done. Yeah. Uh, what is the crew's thoughts on going gold? And if it really means the same nowadays or, or just a business decision to get it out the door, which is a little cynical, I want to say, um, and work on a patch two or three months later. So, Bryce, I think that games, ha- you're, you're kind of m- a little bit missing the point. The games have successfully gotten bigger and bigger each generation. Um, at least from a file size perspective, at least from scope and scale. I think that really devoted publishers and platform makers try to spend as much resources as they can trying to bug fix, trying to make sure that they catch everything when it goes out the door. But sometimes you're just not going to get everything and you do have to ship. Now, I'm not trying to say it's okay, though, to ship a broken game. And I do feel like there is something to be said for when a game comes out day one, if I'm downloading a huge patch... That's not a good sign to the consumer, right? You're going to be worried, like, well, what am I getting here? And what, what did I just buy? And is this, going to be, is this going to still be broken? And what if it is? I mean, you were talking about The Witcher earlier. There's times where that game broke. There's times where Skyrim breaks. There's times where Fallout breaks. And mm-hmm. that, again, comes from just scope and scale. But I do want to say, I don't think games back in the day really shipped that perfect because people have found ways to break them. Um, that's what speedruns are about. Yeah, that's yeah. what all of those things are about. It was just harder to do, but I feel like... I don't feel like any game is really perfect. Yeah, and and it's obviously hard to tell, right? Like we may be getting the benefit of an extra three weeks development time that that publishers back in the day didn't have, right? And so you could argue that, no, those games are improved. On the flip side, it's way harder to make a 3D open world game than it is a 2D side-scroller, right? Mm -hmm. Like not to say that it's easy to make a side-scroller the quality of Super Metroid or or Mario World, but it is, you know... there is so much more potential for bugs when you're dealing with the third dimension and like these polygonal setups and these if-then statements of like, have you talked to the villager and what if you open, what what if you kill someone in the game, right? Like it takes more testing. So um, I'm actually not, I'm not against bugs, uh, the, these bug fixes. I'm against bugs. I'm not against bug fixes against and bugs. patches. I think it can be a real downer when you're excited to play a game. And you plop it in and then it has to install and then it has to download like a multi-gig update. I think that's a pain in the butt and that is a process that could be improved, right? Like can I I download something earlier? Can I queue it? Or, you know, can we finally move to a true digital system where we're pre-ordering a game, it preloads it and it comes with a bug ready to play Mm -hmm. rather than having to put a disc in um, and you know with that come the whole concepts of like you can't trade it then yeah. or you can't share it with another machine in the house those are all things that we have to resolve and I want to take this a little further I know we just call time on it and we're about to end the show but look at when we didn't have the ability to do this mm-hmm. Smash Brothers Brawl basically was to and even go back to Smash Brothers Melee where uh, players were basically using exploits in order to be able to, to move. I mean, I love my competitive smash, but it's the truth, right? Wave dashing is not something that is, was, I think, intended as much as people took it and were able to take and run with. Take Brawl, which tripping, which was a feature, w- could not be patched out because you couldn't patch games on Wii. Mm-hmm. Uh, or even take Skyward Sword, which in- inevitably a bug did get found. And then the way to fix it was you had to mail your SD card to Nintendo in order to get that fixed. Like, of course, in the cartridge days, there are fewer examples of that, right? And fewer examples of of sort of what could be considered the game-breaking bugs. But I think the complexity of making games has also changed just a lot. Yeah, and then multiplayer, Um, of course, just balancing, making sure it's a fun experience for a long time. Like Splatoon, if we still lived in the days of unpatchable games, right, it would be a completely different game now and it's an awesome game now because they went back and they fixed little issues here and there yeah. made sure that it was balanced so the, the traditional going gold is gone right like yeah. it's no longer you, you can no longer go gold the majority of people will be able to download patches when gold always just means it's shipping that's yeah. it like it doesn't mean to me that it's 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 ever done i think no game in, in the current generation at least feels done yeah yeah all right true 
Well, there you have it. Uh, thanks again, uh, Bryce, for emailing us. That's really awesome. And thank you, everyone, for emailed us. And lastly, we're done. That's it. We, got, we got another show in the can. Thank you for listening to Nintendo Voice Chat. And there are a couple ways you can help us out. One, you can email us feedback at mvc at IGN.com. You could also send us questions. Two, you can head on over to iTunes. I don't know if Google Play has... Uh, a, a, a sort of a feedback system yet. I was looking around today. I didn't see anything like for uh, you, can, you know rating and comments and things like that. Yeah, it's weird. Also, uh, our show on there is broken. Like our descriptions don't. Oh, that's show. not good. Yeah, that's not good. And All also, right, we'll it's still using that. the old art. So we're we're looking right. into that. Um, but regardless, head on over to iTunes where you could leave us a show review, uh, and we could always uh, end up reading it on the air. And lastly, you can find us on Twitter. You can find Andrew Goldfarb, who is no longer here, but he used to be in the seat at Garfuck. You can find Per Schneider at Per IGN. And you can find myself, Jose underscore Otero, on Twitter. Thank you very much for listening, and we'll be back next week with more Nintendo Voice Chat. Bye.